Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us as Pastor Tim continues his message entitled Contrasting Examples of Christian Fellowship from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Have you ever had someone in your life who is so encouraging, so helpful, so pleasant, so important that in a world full of difficulties and disappointments, they are like a breath of fresh air? Everybody needs someone like that. Everybody needs to be somebody like that. Here's Pastor Tim. So number one, we can hear Paul saying, he invigorated my will. The second accolade that Paul gives to Onesiphorus is that he identified with my work. He identified with my work. Look at the end of verse 16. Lord, grant him mercy because he often refreshed me. By the way, don't miss that word often. That's his regular beat, isn't it? He often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about being unashamed and, and the fact that Paul had told Timothy, do not be ashamed. And then Paul goes on and he says, I'm not ashamed. And now he gives us another example. It's not just Paul telling Timothy, don't be ashamed. And here's the example. You can look at me and say, I'm not ashamed, so you don't have to be ashamed. Look at this other person. Look at Onesiphorus. He was not ashamed of my chain. He was not ashamed of my work. He identified with him in the work that he was, that he was engaged in. To not be ashamed of one another is an important po- point, isn't it? We're not ashamed of one another. We stick up for one another. We're not ashamed of one another. We hang out with one another. When we're uh, not ashamed of one another, we engage with one another. And we're not ashamed of one another. We work together with one another. And all of that not only helps me as an individual believer, it also then helps in the work that I find myself doing. You know, sometimes we'll say that many hands makes light work. You know, when you work together with one another, doesn't really, I don't know that it really makes the work so light, but it sure does make it go by a whole lot easier, doesn't it? And you get to know people on a whole different level when you work with them. So Onesiphorus is being, is being blessed by Paul because he invigorates his will, because he's not ashamed or he identifies with his work. And then thirdly, because he insisted on my whereabouts. He insisted on my whereabouts. Now, if you recall this morning, we were talking about how John the Baptist was able to receive visitors. He was also able to call for others to come. Now, Paul's not under house arrest at this point. I mean, he's in a prison prison. You know, in his first Roman imprisonment, he really was in a house. He was kind of, you know, like, <laughs> like the person with an ankle bracelet. He can go so far, that's about as far as he can go. But he could, he could leave the house if he wanted to. He could be engaged in the work if he wanted to. He could, he could invite people over. He could have church if that's what he wanted to do. In this particular case, Paul is in the bottom rung of the prison. He's chained by guards on either side, and he's not going anywhere. For some reason, they still allow him visitors. But it doesn't seem like everybody's knocking down the jail door to come find Paul. Why is Paul in prison? Why is Paul in prison at this point? We know why John the Baptist was in prison this morning. 
because of the way that he told uh, the king at that point, you can't, you can't have your brother's wife and kill the brother. That, that's No, you can't do that. So Paul's not preaching out against the government, so to speak. It's the government in this case that's taking advantage of Paul. You've heard of the burning of Rome, right? Rome wasn't built in a day, but it was burnt in a night, you know? Really, it was Nero's fault. As you begin to look back through history, it's his fault. Nero's not going to take the blame. The Caesar's not going to take the blame for the burning of Rome. Who's the, who's the target? The target are Christians. It's Christians that become the target. This is not something new for us today. It's something that's been going on. Who is the most identifiable leader of the Christian church in this part of the world at this particular time? It's Paul. Let's arrest him. That's why he's there. That's why he's not going to get out. Paul's not there because of anything necessarily that he himself has done wrong. But he's there. He's there. And because he's there as a representative of all the Christians... Not too many Christians that are gangbusters about going to visit Paul. Hey, I want to visit Paul. <laughs> oh, good, you know Paul? Yeah, I'm like, man, I was in his church. It was great. We're best friends. Good, I got a spot for you right here. You know, they're not going. But Onesiphorus is going. In fact, look at what it says in verse number 17. When he arrived in Rome... He sought me out very diligently and found me. He didn't just simply go and say, oh, well, I mean, I tried. I looked for Paul. I went to Paul's house where he stays when he's in Rome and he wasn't there. Oh, well, I guess I'll just go home. He doesn't do that. Instead, it says that he searched me out very diligently. Every clue, every hint. He's able to trace those things down until he finds exactly where Paul is and then he goes into the prison and then he goes to be able to see him. No matter what it's going to cost him, he still goes. And don't you like working with people like that at church? People who go the extra mile. You know, they don't use, they don't use anything as an excuse. They just go. They're in it 100%. It's, it's do or die. They're not going to let anything discourage them. They just continue on doing what they know that God has called them to do and what God is blessing in the life of that church. People who seek out very diligently work and workers. People who insist on your whereabouts. Those are the kind of people that really help you in ministry. Let me give you a fourth one, a last one. Let's go to verse number 18. In verse number 18, we would say, we would hear Paul saying, He improved my woes. He improved my woes. Kind of what we said earlier. He has cheered me up. Notice what he says. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. This, this blessing, this sort of wishful thinking kind of blessing just really continues, doesn't it? 
Grant to him that he might find mercy. He's already asking for mercy for him and for his whole household in, in, that, uh, in that 15th verse a moment ago. And now he says this, you know. You could testify, Timothy. You have seen it. You've likely been a part of it. In, in, in all likelihood, Timothy himself has been blessed by Onesiphorus. He says, you know how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. His courtesy, his compassion cheers Paul up. Because it's not one event, is it? It's not that he came and visited him one time. It's the fact that he does it in so many ways that Paul doesn't even bother to count. So whereas you've got Hermogenes and, and Phygelus who have really harmed the ministry in Ephesus, here's a person that he mentions, he has ministered to me at Ephesus. He's improved me. Wouldn't you like to be around those kind of folks that, that minister to you? You know, it's, it's not just that you're some kind of project, but that you genuinely are a real friend. Let me, um, let me give you something else tonight before we finish. Um, this, is, this is one where I'm just going to talk to you through this verse a little bit because I'm not really sure. Uh, those who, who are far smarter than me are divided on this subject. And so I'm not, I'm not 100% sure exactly where I am. But when you begin to read these words of Paul and the wishful thinking, the, almost like a prayer that he provides for Onesiphorus and for his family, it just, it just sounds different, doesn't it? The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. You know, he really doesn't say the Lord grant mercy to Onesiphorus. It's implied, but what he really says is the Lord grant mercy to his household. That, that wish even in itself just seems a little bit, a little bit out of character. You know, the Lord grant peace to Onesiphorus and his family. The, the Lord grant effectiveness to Onesiphorus and his family. The Lord grant blessings to Onesiphorus and his family. Even the Lord, the, the Lord grant grace to Onesiphorus and his family. To ask him for mercy at least tells me at this point that Onesiphorus himself is paying the price for being Paul's companion, for being Paul's friend. One of the things that I have to remind myself, and maybe you need to be reminded of too, is that everything in church and everything in ministry, everything even in your life, doesn't just revolve around you. Doesn't just impact you. What you do has impact on other people as well. So it's one thing for us to take a risk. It's one thing for us to seize an opportunity. 
where we know. Like Paul, we know this one's going to get us in trouble. You know? It's like John the Baptist. I know what preaching that message against the king's going to do to me. And yet you do it anyway. You know that you're going to fall out at some point, but you choose to do what's right. It's one thing when you make that call for yourself, when you're willing to pay the price, but then you realize that there are other people that are following you, there are other people that are helping you, there are other people that are part of your family and your church family who will also suffer those same consequences. Do you make the same choice? It's harder. It's harder to choose right when you know that choosing right is going to cost your family. You think twice about it when you know that your church will have to endure the consequences of your actions. And yeah, it seems to me as if Onesiphorus is right in that boat. And here's where I'm headed with this. It seems as if Onesiphorus is already dead. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. This is what he used to do. He often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chain. When he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. And then what really adds to that is the the oddity of verse number 18. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. What day? It's the day of the Lord's return, isn't it? When you see that, you see day capitalized. We're talking about the end. Lord, grant him mercy on that day because you know how well that he blessed me. I don't know that this is a eulogy. I don't know that it's uh, for sure uh, talking about someone who's already gone. But it sure seems like that, doesn't it? As you continue to read, for every phygelus, there is a Hermogenes. It just is, you know? I hate to be this, uh, this transparent in this kind of venue, but I'll tell you, the same person that gave me headaches in, uh, in Griffin, we moved to Columbus and I found out that he was here too. <laughs> he just went by a whole different name, you know? For every Phygelus, there's another Hermogenes. For every Onesiphorus, is there going to be? If it's true that he is now past, who takes up the helm? If he is even beyond this point of ministry now at this point, who's going to be the next breath of fresh air for young Timothy? For you. Who knows? Maybe you are the next Onesiphorus. You're the person that people will say, man, that, that man, that woman, they're like a breath of fresh air to me. I'm not sure that you could do anything better 
than to be like Onesiphorus. Let's pray. Let me ask you this. Let me ask it to you this way. Do you have an Onesiphorus in your life? Is there somebody that you know, I mean, you know that you know that you can count on them? If so, then you need to take time right now and thank the Lord for them. And thank the Lord for your own blessings. Because everybody doesn't have that. turn the question are you an onesiphorus for somebody else are you like a breath of fresh air for them I would tell you this anybody I mean really anybody can be a phygelus or a hermogenes can I tell you this anybody can be an onesiphorus. Anybody. If you want to. Father, we know that we need them. We need them in our life. We need them in the midst of ministry. We need them in our church. We pray that you would provide more and more and more people like onesiphorus. Father, that your ministry might be unhindered. That your ministry might be extended. That it might be more effective. Father, we pray that you would bless us by surrounding us with the very people that we need. I think about your verse in Proverbs that says to to have a friend, you got to be a friend. Father... Pray that you'd help us to be an Onesiphorus for somebody else. Make our words sweet. Make our attitudes lovely. Make our actions helpful. And our reactions Christ-like. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you want to come to the altar, you can. If I can help you, I want to. Um, I want Sean to lead us. Let's sing. This year, at Britt David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.